For fans of the Magnus Archives, like me, Sasha Sienna and Jonathan Sims have launched the Neon Inkwell feed, which is their ongoing home for full cast narrative podcasts written by creators from all around the world. Not only does Neon Inkwell have weekly episode drops, they will be premiering an entirely new show every six to nine weeks. So if you are forever looking for new horror, mystery, fantasy, or sci-fi stories, like me, then subscribe to Neon Inkwell now. Find Neon Inkwell wherever you get your podcasts or visit rustyquill.com for more information. of violence or explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. I've been inside for 274 days now. My sentence is 304 days, but I don't think I can last that long. I don't know how I know it's been 274 days, because there is no time in here, but somehow the number 274 feels right. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe it's only been 11 days. Who knows what anything means in here? I went blind from the endless white after just a couple of weeks. I could see my own body up to that point, but the infinite white that surrounds me eventually filled my entire frame of vision, and one day I woke up and I could no longer see my own hand in front of my face. Well, I say that I woke up, but I don't know if I actually sleep. There is a sensation of my consciousness being, well, online, I guess you could say, and then offline at other times. But after being surrounded by nothing for even a couple of hours, it's hard to know where one's mind begins and ends, if it does at all. I can still feel my soul. I can feel that acutely but I am engulfed by the reality that there is no reality, and that is an impossible thing for a mind to endure. I wish I could write this down, but instead I've been playing it on an endless loop in my head as the nothing stretches on and on. The only thing keeping me hanging on to a shred of sanity is the hope that I'm sending this message into the greater consciousness. I know that that exists, thank God. I know that there is an endless connection that extends between everything that exists and doesn't exist, but what I don't know is if that divinity can penetrate this place. When the regime found proof of the divine, we all rejoiced at first. We were quick to jump on their bandwagon, and how could we not? We were all so sick of how we felt. We were all just so sick in general. We thought that we were okay, but our minds and our souls could not be fed by the man-made worlds we'd constructed. And it's laughable now to look back on how many systems we'd put in place just to feel normal. (laughs) To keep ourselves from burning out or going insane. I was spending so much money on far-out programs to try to feel better. My house was stocked full of supplements and powders and books and equipment and medication that put my body and soul in a state that was an approximation of what we thought it meant to be happy and healthy. But now we know that we weren't even close. 
The way we were living was grotesque in comparison to what we learned was real happiness and the true capacity for greatness that exists within every human being, every being for that matter. We smiled and loved and lived and created and cried and suffered. But we were so far removed. Even in here it makes me laugh to remember just how wrong we had gotten it. And then the regime found God. And after all we had been through, I was skeptical that the world would come together and believe in the miracle. We couldn't agree on anything at that point, and I for one thought that the divine would just get buried under the endless stream of lies and noise, like every other massively important piece of news that had come out in the previous decade. But this was God, and it turns out that God is the one thing that can't be ignored in its physical manifestation. The relief came first. I <laughs> can't begin to describe the feeling of all of our souls ascending simultaneously on earth. The only thing I can compare it to is how on the old earth you would study for a big test or prepare for a presentation at work or, or go to a doctor for a scary exam and the amazing feeling that came washing over you when you got good news and everything turned out okay. It's like that but multiplied by infinity and then extended to every living thing and even into states of being that they'd only just begun to discover when I was sent here. It was blissful and glorious, and the thing that we'd all been waiting for and literally praying for had finally arrived and was going to save us and offer us relief from our struggles and deep suffering. And if I was confident I was still in my physical body today, I'd say that I have chills just thinking about it. Then there was the great rejoicing. The whole world came together in a massive and endless celebration and exaltation of the phenomenon that is simply being alive. We couldn't see it before and I still feel like a colossal fool for missing it for so long. Once we could see it, we couldn't believe we hadn't seen it before. World leaders wept, CEOs wailed with the elation of being set free. Scientists celebrated having their questions answered, but even more than that, their souls no longer craved answers because we finally knew what truly mattered. And what mattered was in us and all around us. Nature surged as we celebrated and our consciousness swelled to fill the endless universe. Everything was new and wonderful and we marveled at the gift of being chosen to experience this world. What a truly benevolent God we now knew. We were humbled and exhilarated and we were one. We were finally one and were one with God. We always had been, but now our eyes and souls were open and, and what a splendid time it was to be alive. Once our bodies adjusted to this new existence, we began to interact with our world and each other in the ways that God had intended. Exchanges were fair and just and we lived to be alive instead of being in the constant pursuit of things that had never mattered. We all loved each other, regardless of familial status, and borders disintegrated as the absurdity of being separated was suddenly so clear. We moved through the world unrestrained and were free to explore every corner of our magnificent planet as was intended when it was created. It's hard to describe what relationships felt like, as we abandoned all formal traditions of human interaction, but I can tell you that meeting other humans provided a richness and depth that cannot be compared to anything we knew previously. Every person provided a new miracle to unlock, every conversation and interaction was an opportunity to ascend even further, and the vastness of our potential was made more clear with every exchange. 
we learn to look backward and tap into the immaculateness of youth. And on the other side, age and wisdom were treasured and exalted as we celebrated the length of perceived time that had passed through each being. And speaking of perception, that continued to exist in the presence of God because as endless as our consciousness became, universal truths like time and space continue to exist because that is what allows us to prevail as our physical selves. After the awakening, it was clear that our brains still had limitations. But suddenly our brains were also appreciated for their ability to conceptualize the divine. Somehow, our minds had the capacity to fathom the infinite, and we were finally aware of what extraordinary machines we had been gifted to navigate infinity. The fact that we can keep up at all is remarkable, considering our human limitations and the physical boundaries of space and time. Some souls were called to heal, some to create, some to nurture, and some to hunt. We could do and be whatever we wanted. There were no longer limitations or expectations of who or what we were supposed to be, and it was abundantly clear that each soul had a purpose, and it was the job of our human bodies to help fulfill that purpose. My soul was called to wander, and so I connected with souls that were built to navigate, and we set off to explore the globe. In the time that it took for me to move from place to place, the earth had begun to regenerate itself, and I was able to experience natural wonders that defied my imagination, even in its new and elevated state. Species sprung back into existence without the threat of human invasion, and I was able to witness the highest forms of natural and man-made phenomena. I ascended even further as I experienced true beauty as it manifested to me through prismatic springs, volcanic lightning, and neon glowing sea creatures. I climbed ancient man-made structures, and the miraculous nature of their origins was even more humbling now that I contained the knowledge of how they'd come to be. All of this is to say, it was wonderful. Wonderful isn't even the right word. But on New Earth, we've been able to replace a lot of our verbal communication with an unspoken emotional exchange. And before I was sent here, we'd even been able to figure out how to broadcast various important emotions or messages beyond just a single person. Before I was sent inside, I was receiving messages from sometimes hundreds of miles away as people made new discoveries or gained a new level of understanding. Epiphanies popped into my consciousness almost hourly as our range and ability to share grew stronger and the web of interconnectivity spanned the globe and then again and again. I had become so accustomed to receiving messages and epiphanies that they had begun to flow through me and fill me up, fusing to my cells and my soul in a never-ending advancement of my existence and consciousness. I'm playing this message on an endless loop in my mind because I'm pretty sure the web between us has started to extend through time. I can't say for sure, because I, I was sent here before I could be certain, but I think we've been able to reach back and forward through time, and if that's true, it's critically important that you hear what I have to say next. Harmony on Earth continued for me for seven years. We still experienced pain, as our bodies are designed to do, but the open exchange of knowledge and resources allowed us access to everything we needed to reduce our human suffering. We were peaceful, and wise in the sense that we were aware that we knew nothing, even as we had access to everything, and we lived purely based on a philosophy of love. But humans are humans, 
And even though we had access to God and to all of life and infinity, we somehow overlooked the simple fact that the opposite of everything also exists. Discovering God implies that the opposite of God also exists. And so the opportunity to access God's opposite had also become a possibility. The last thing God gave humans was free will. But at the same time, God withheld knowledge and now I know why. We could have remained within and among God. We could have stayed in a state of perpetual bliss. But humans have free will and so we sought to return to God. But in doing so, we also found the opposite of God and we just had to explore it. We're humans after all. I first became aware of this as I passed through a dense jungle deep in what was referred to as the Amazon on Old Earth. On the day that I first sensed it, I had stumbled upon a massive, towering ruin that I was certain hadn't been catalogued in any texts or historical records. It was obvious that it had existed deep in that dense jungle for a long, long time, possibly even thousands of years. But it was modern in its form and was a sort of obelisk with sides that rounded out to give it a kind of pointy egg shape and it was made of something jet black with a shiny surface. I had become accustomed to spending the first several hours after a new discovery doing what I can best describe as a download of the history and energy of the structure. But when I tried to access the thing that towered in front of me, there was only a sort of dark buzzing available. I circled the ruins looking for a way inside or some sort of steps to climb to the top or or anything that would indicate what the monument had been used for or erected in honor of. But there was nothing. By that point, I had encountered almost all of the major monoliths, memorials and holy structures that existed on the planet, but nothing had even remotely resembled what I discovered that day. It was just a bulbous, towering, slick blackness with no way in or out and no discernible purpose, especially considering it had been erected hundreds of miles inside the dense rainforest. I tried to send out a message to see if anyone else had found the same ruins and maybe had information about its original purpose, but again I was blocked by a dark buzzing sensation. Night arrived sooner in the rainforest due to the heavy tree canopy, so I knew I was just an hour or so away from not being able to see the structure very clearly and that it would be best to camp nearby so I could study it again in the morning. My navigators were also scheduled to meet me the next day to lead me out of the jungle, so I'd need to get up early to hike out far enough for them to be able to receive my signal. I set up camp near the base of the relic and fell asleep as soon as the sun went down. In the middle of the night, I woke up into what I can best describe as a night terror. I'd had them when I was a teenager and remember the crushing feeling of weight on my chest as I scanned the room, unable to move as shadows threatened me from my periphery and I felt as though I was surrounded by a thick and nameless evil. My eyes opened inside of my tent and I felt a physical weight pressing into my chest that made me gasp for air and fight to remain conscious. My limbs were useless, and the only thing that I could seem to move were my eyes, which I used to survey the dark space around me, and when I got to the part of the tent that zipped and unzipped to serve as my door, I could see four dark figures silhouetted just outside. I, I couldn't see them well enough to tell if they were actually there or if they were perceiving me from somewhere else, but I knew that they could feel me and I could feel them, and the information that I received from them set in motion the beginning of the end of my life. 
I don't remember falling back to sleep, but the next thing I knew I was sitting upright in my sleeping bag, hot and sweating from the intense heat of mid-morning in the jungle. In a panic, I clawed my way out of my sleeping bag and then practically ripped through the door of my tent, gasping for air as I emerged, but being met with the thick humidity of the surrounding rainforest. I steadied myself by placing my hands on my knees and forced my breathing to slow down so I could take long, deep intakes of air to clear my head and force the panic to subside. It had been so long since I'd experienced anything close to panic that the old sensation ripped through my body with so much ferocity I almost passed out. After several minutes, I felt more calm and was able to fish around to see if there were any people nearby that I could access to help calm my nerves and was relieved to pick up a few faint signals. Feeling my fellow man gave me the reassurance I needed to be able to calm down enough to tap back into the divine. I sank to the ground and spent a handful of minutes experiencing God, and before long I was awash with a macrocosm and all was right in my world. I opened my eyes and immediately sensed that something was off, because in the position I was in I should have been able to see the monument out of the corner of my eye. I blinked several times to clear my vision completely, and there was still nothing to my left except for the deep green of foliage and moss-covered trees. I took a deep breath and turned my head, and sure enough, the monolith that I had fallen asleep next to had vanished. There was no sign of the massive structure, not even an indentation in the soft soil where it had been the day before. It was as if it had never existed at all. My head started to swim, and flashes from the night before perforated my brain. I grasped my head with my hands to try to control the images that were flooding back, but I couldn't resist the messages as much as I wanted to. I wanted to be wrong about what I'd felt. I wanted to go back to God and be one with all creatures and fulfill my soul's purpose, but I knew that something was wrong. Something was horribly and irrevocably wrong. I could still feel God. <laughs> God was everywhere and everything, but I could suddenly sense the opposite of God, and it was so bad, so atrocious and unimaginable that it took my breath away. I tried to push past the memories of the night before, but one came screaming through so savagely it knocked me onto my back. My mind was penetrated by one word, like a blade slicing through flesh. Abaddon. I didn't have a traditional home like I did before the awakening, but after I left the jungle, I traveled back to the place I'd called home on old earth. I'd avoided that place for so many years because it held all of my memories of the way things were before we found God. And I never wanted to slide back into the hopeless drudgery that was life back then. But it suddenly felt like the only place that I might be safe. And I knew even that sentiment was a construct from the old way, but I didn't care. I needed to be one with God again, and I needed comfort and peace. And it was the only place I could think to flee the darkness that was looming larger every day. Once I was back in the place that had been my home, when countries and states and towns still existed, I sought out the woman who had been my mother when family structures had meant so much more, and we hadn't learned a limitless love for all of humanity. She was kind to me soothed me with words she knew I craved and encouraged my soul to rest and heal 
and reminded me that the presence of God didn't mean the absence of pain. She also reminded me that it had only been seven years since we'd woken up and that the generations that lived on earth before would always struggle to fully free ourselves from our old ways. It was all part of God's plan and I was no less precious for feeling fearful of something new and unknown. I spent days in her garden helping her tend to the food that she shared with her neighbors and sunning myself in the creek that ran nearby. I returned to God who enveloped me in the incomprehensible love I'd known before I'd made my ill-fated trip through the jungle, and everything was good and right once again. And then the regime found me. As far as I'm aware, I'm the only one who really understands that the regime exists, as they masquerade as the newly righteous, duplicitous and undetected. They act and speak and love like the rest of us, but they are not us. At least not anymore. They told the people that I'd been hoarding supplies, that I'd been bartering with lack of regard for fairness and my fellow man, and that I was allowing ego to eclipse God. Fear not, they said. I am not a bad or unkind person. I am just one who lived before the awakening and require God's light to restore me and realign me with the new ways. They would send me to a place where I could focus on God with my whole soul, and would be returned in 304 days, renewed and enriched, and with lessons to share, no doubt. The people rejoiced at God's mercy and praised me for remaining pious and humble as I battled the urges of the past. They sang and celebrated, and then they sent me here. Now that I've had time to reflect, I'm not sure that the figures had actually been looking for me when they came to my tent that night. I think they had been looking for the obelisk, but found me by chance. Did they send me here because I had observed the Leviathan? Did I absorb something significant as I slept at the base? I also wonder if maybe they control it and had sent it to me as a trap so they could then send me here. I can't help but wonder if their human curiosity, the lawless need to know that lives inside all of us, pushed them to probe past God, to learn what was on the other side. Did they then send it to the person who was deep in the Amazon rainforest, as far away from other people as you can possibly be, to test the power of hell on a human soul? I don't know if the current state I'm in is, in fact, the opposite of God, but there's a profound terror inside of me that tells me it's not. That there is somehow something more endless and much worse than this place I've been exiled to. If this message is able to move beyond this space and can find someone from the past, I need you to know that you can't let them let God out. God is supposed to live inside of our hearts and minds, and as desperately as we want to become one with God, the consequences of that happening are far too great on this mortal plane. I don't know if God created God's opposite or if it's just the balance that the universe requires to exist, but now that God is out and humans have access to God's opposite, I can't begin to conceive of the horrors that threaten to consume the cosmos, annihilate all forms of love and replace our consciousness with one long primal scream. But maybe it already has. Maybe this is, in fact, God's opposite and the tiny shred of humanity that's still intact inside of what's left of me has fabricated this story to make sense of this horror. The longer I'm in here, the more I think that every awful thing on earth has manifested in this place. The nothing is so dense. There's an urgency to rage against it and I can feel cruelty incubating all around me. 
Is this hell? Or is this where hell originates? Is there something worse than this? I know I won't last much longer if this message doesn't reach you soon. I don't know if you even exist anymore, but humans are humans and I can't help but hope. Even as I'm trapped in this monstrous place. Oh dear God, can I even die in here? Are they going to suspend me in here forever? Have I been condemned? Or, or maybe I'm already dead? Maybe I died at the base of the Leviathan and have entered the excruciating hereafter? I don't know how God could let this happen. Maybe God created Earth so God could hide from something splintered and scattered between a million wandering souls. Maybe that thing found God once we all became one and we've unleashed a wretchedness and a torment that we may never be able to comprehend. Oh God, I don't know. 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 was written by Courtney Eck and narrated by Benjamin Chandler. For more scary stories that you cannot get out of your head, please join our Patreon at patreon backslash please leave pod. Please follow Please Leave on Facebook and Instagram at please leave pod. Our email is please leave pod at gmail.com and our website is please leave pod.com. This has been a Two Penguins Media production. Quack. <laughs> <laughs>